what's the difference between Damari Gray and Mudrick? Well, we, Damari Gray, I'm not having it. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Damari Gray is a good player. Yeah, no, he is. I don't think he's liking it. I'm not going to sit here and accept that disrespect. I was going to allow it, but come on, man. Damari Gray has the odd worldie in him. He has a worldie in him as well. He just scores some worldie goals. He's fast. He can take on players. All I'm saying is, yeah, like... That's I feel the, like you're trolling. Yeah, no, 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 no. Are you serious? Are you trolling? No, I'm, I'm dead serious right now. I'm, like, I'm dead serious. I'm like... Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Ripple Effect. We are in October, heading towards November, and I'm feeling like the energy levels are a little bit low, guys. So to everyone listening out there right now, don't worry about us because we're going to be fine. You watch the camera come on and the smiles light up and then off we go. But for you guys out there, wherever you listen to this right now, energy. Energy to you. Good luck with your day. Good luck with your evening. Good luck with your week. You might need that. Good luck. Good vibes all to you guys. Hope you're doing really well. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. This is The Ripple Effect, hosted by James Lawrence Alcott. Today, we've got the Dream Team back together again. You guys love the episode uh, when we had Kweku and we had Cams here. And so both have joined us once again. Now, you may remember that Kweku has been on the pod a few times and we've been screaming. Where's the YouTube channel? But we can now announce, Kweku, that the YouTube channel is finally here. Tell people about it. Yeah, it is finally here. Uh, you've been imploring me for a long, long time. Part of the reason why I've started this YouTube channel is like, I couldn't face seeing James again and not, <laughs> and not have started it's it. Awkward. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, so it's there. Kweku Afari, K-W-E-K-U-A-F-A-R-I, YouTube channel. I'll just talk about football. There's no frills or spills. There's no, like, editing in it. It's just me looking down the barrel talking about football for, for eight to ten minutes. Um topical could be match match reviews match previews any notions that come to my mind i'm enjoying doing it obviously a little bit daunting i, I talk about football for a living but just talking down the barrel to a camera it's, just you, it's right? a different skill set um but i'm enjoying gaining that skill and uh I'm looking forward to making more content. I'm a content creator now. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. This is great stuff. And uh, yeah, as you guys know, I'm a massive fan of, of Kweku's. That's why, as I've said just before we started recording here, Kweku's doing me a favor by coming on the podcast here, not the other way around. And if you like different angles, then you, both our guests today are, are exactly that. And you know that's what I love when it comes to talking about football. And that's what the Ripple Effect's all about. So if you like the Ripple Effect, you're going to like Kweku's channel. Go give him some love, support the channel, support everyone that comes on this podcast because we, we have no dickheads on this podcast. <laughs> that is a general rule. Cam, killing it right yes. now. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoying thank life you. and yes. battling through. Had a birthday. Happy birthday to yes. you. Thank you very much. Um, thank you. But battling through illness throughout that because, you know, you're yeah. on the grind, mate. Yeah, so, man. yeah, how is no, everything? I mean, no, everything's going well. Um, the FCM podcast uh, with Fuad and yes. Maze is going great as well. We're over at DR now. Um, so that's going well. You're still doing the breakdown with JD, um, Expressions and FG. So, yeah, just having fun with it, man. Honestly, just continue trying to do more things of course show up sharp for when you give me the call up as well <laughs> you know what i mean but yeah no nah, absolutely everything is just about having fun with it and um hopefully the listeners and people that see me around are enjoying my content man Good honestly man. no we are we are so let's get straight into this uh we've got two great podcasts this week uh hopefully you guys enjoyed last week we did the pyramids of Alcott for the very first time and uh, we're gonna do the pyramids of Alcott once again in our second podcast this week so another reason to follow the podcast wherever uh, you are listening to it right now if you want to watch us of course you can do it exclusively on Spotify, if you're feeling very kind, please do give us a five star rating as well. But yeah, the Alcott of uh, Alcott Pyramids, I keep doing that. The hmm. Pyramids of Alcott, uh, we're going to be doing managers 
and uh, by managers not managers of the whole Premier League era just this season, which is always a spicy one. So make sure you join us later in the week for that. Uh, but this one, we're going to be talking about prophecies. We're going to be talking about certainties and we're going to be talking about the teams of both our guests this week, Chelsea and Man United. So word of the week, prophecy, which is a prediction of something to come. So another hectic weekend of Premier League football saw four red cards, 31 goals, goalkeeping errors and a few comebacks. But the most important part of all is that we are a week closer to sacking season. The clocks go forward on Sunday, but there will be managers up and down the country wishing they could turn back time. In this episode of TRE, we're going to discuss all of the weekend's action whilst also diving deep into the managers that will get the boot and putting forward some certainties that will definitely happen based on what we've seen from the season so far. Spoiler, there's way more than you think. So, Hmm. we all have managers that generally lead precarious lives. My manager, so, and we are recording, I think it's important to say, we are recording this uh, Tuesday, sort of around midday. So, Man United haven't played Copenhagen just yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, QPR haven't played West Brom yet. And uh, a lot of things could change. Uh, there was a lot of talk about uh, Iriola as well. And actually, we're going to touch on, um, you know, the managers that could get, get the sack. Because there's a, a really, really interesting stat from the amount of sackings that happen. And I think we forget it forget it every single season. So we'll get to that later on, which will lead us into our second podcast, which would be great. Um, but let's start at, Joel, let's start at Chelsea. Let's start with a bit, something a little bit more positive. Now, Pochettino, I think if his name isn't Pochettino, he's probably living a far more precarious life than, you know, the Potters before him, the Tuchels before him, the general managers at Chelsea before him. I asked you this on ESPN last week, um, this possible idea of Chelsea turning the corner. And there was an overall feeling that sort of they were just peeping around it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you feel after that, that 2-2 game? Because... <sighs> I'm sort of halfway in between. And I saw on your channel, you felt like there were certain things that you really enjoyed about the, the, the result and the performance. What did you enjoy? I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed the mentality. Um, and I've grown up in an era of seeing Chelsea go out there and not necessarily play the best football, play the most progressive football, but go out there and manage to get results. The disappointing part of Saturday night is that Chelsea didn't get the result, but the performance, and it was encapsulated in one moment. Obviously, the, the Mudrick header on to Saliba's arm, that's a handball by the letter of the law. I know people wouldn't want to debate it. And Chelsea probably would have got that decision without the players surrounding the referee. Controversial. I like it when I see my players surrounding the referee. It means that they're playing with a purpose. There's something that they're fighting for. Savvy too, isn't it? It's savvy. Yeah. And it's the dark arts. And you've seen it in the history of football, even the best football in size, the Tic Tac of Barcelona in 2011. They had Busquets. They had those players surrounding the referee, Mascarano, those players who would be in the ear and dictate the, the whims of the game. And Chelsea had that with DJ Drogba, John Terry and Frank Lampard yeah. back in the day. And I saw that. And that's what I want to see continuing. I know that we're we're in our infancy in terms of the style of football and the style of football wasn't actually great. The, the game wasn't great mm. and the adverse weather actually helped Chelsea. It meant that Arsenal, who are a more precise team than Chelsea right now, couldn't ping the ball about. We saw Odegaard kind of had his will broken for the first time I've seen in the Premier League this season. And I want to see that. Our players are winning their battles, winning their duels. Cucurella, a man who was much derided by Chelsea fans, was sticking it on Saka and didn't give Saka a kick until the second half where obviously Spokai Saka, one of the best players in the world, he's going to have his moments but Cucurella was sticking it on him and Gusto and Martinelli as well so it was the desire that I saw from the football team and and the passion that they played with obviously 
the immaturity showed itself at the back end of that game. And that's why Chelsea ended up losing that game. And the, the for me, the biggest, biggest takeaway was that we know that Mauricio Pochettino is that guy. There was nothing in that game that Arteta did better than Pochettino in terms of tactics. He was outwitted throughout the whole game. The thing that came through for Arsenal, the back end of it was rather than analytics, it was man analytics. So the fact that they can bring on, they can bring on <laughs> Trossard, they can bring Trossard <laughs> off the bench. That's why you got to subscribe. Yeah. That's why you got to subscribe. <laughs> on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. But that's why they can bring on like Trossard off the Sorry, bench. Sorry, I lost my mind there. Sorry, Anal- yeah. No, well, say that again. It's not analytics, it's man analytics. Yeah, in Talk football, sometimes it's about man analytics, not analytics, and we get lost uh, in the source <laughs> when it comes to football and statistics and stuff. But sometimes your dogs have just got to pull you through it. Declan Rice's will was not broken in that game. And I know that obviously he was gifted the goal by Sanchez, but you saw it. Declan Rice was not going to let that happen. He did the same for them away at um, Everton. That was a game that they could have easily lost. They lost last season. They didn't. Yeah. Arsenal have the players now. Mm. So Trossard came off the bench and made a difference. They could bring on Kai Havertz, who's a £65 million player. These are quality players. <laughs> Eddie Ketia is a decent player as well. And they can do that. Tom's party didn't see the pitch. That's, that's the strength that Arsenal have yeah. got. But what Pochettino did was he outwitted Arteta and Arteta didn't have an answer apart from throwing on his best players and hoping there was a result. So to answer your question, I was just happy with the desire and the endeavour shown by Chelsea. So with I, I saw a, a, lot, a lot of the videos after Arsenal got the win against Man City was that this that's what a good team does. They win when they're not playing brilliantly. And as like a, an outlier, that's... That's absolutely true. And I think absolutely what you said there as well, they sort of hung in there, got themselves over uh, yeah, over the line in terms of getting a draw, a bit of luck in there as well, but a great goal, I think, to a point with the with the Trossard goal. But for both these sides, Cams, is the truth that they're actually both... So Chelsea, you've got a game where you're, you're the underdog and I, it's an odd system that I don't think that's a system that works week in, week out, especially especially against teams that are going to defend in a, a, a low block against you where you you need to be the aggressors. And for Arsenal, they, they're taking on a, a Chelsea side that are still sort of in their infancy. So what do you see as the truth with these two teams? Because I think Arsenal, what was given to them as, as plaudits, after this game, it was seen as weaknesses. Mm. So is the truth actually both were the same? I feel like with Arsenal at the moment, this season, I think they're a good unit. Um, I think they're actually solid, as you mentioned, Declan Rice coming into the team. It's been a great signing, you know? And I think they're as a unit, Arsenal are still very, very good. And yeah. that's why on the on the table, on the board right now, they have zero losses. You know what I mean? They're still solid. They're a great unit. I think the thing with Arsenal at the moment is their individuals are not at the level that they were last season. So a lot of people are saying Arsenal are not playing as well as they were last year. You look at the structure, you look at the build-up, it's all the same, pretty much. Okay, Partey's a loss as well. I think if you look at the best goals that Arsenal scored last season, Partey was at at the start of all of them, you know? And then Odegaard will be picking it up, and then all of a sudden, it's an amazing Arsenal team goal. So I think that's a little bit of a loss. But the solidity and the unit of Arsenal is still the same. Mm. The difference is... Yes, Saka's getting a goal or assist every game, you know, but his performance level isn't to what of it, what it was last year. And, you know, he's had injuries and 87 consecutive games and stuff. So it's understandable a little bit. Jesus isn't the Jesus of last season at the moment. Yeah, um, I'm looking at the starting lineup and it's like, like you say, there's because really, you know, 
Georgino, Xhaka, you swap with Declan Rice here. Mm -hmm. Georgino, you swap it for for Partey. Mm -hmm. I understand that. Aside from that, that's your that's yeah. the best team for Arsenal. Yeah. In terms of players who are hot right mm -hmm. now, you can't really... not many exactly. Like so, we were doing a um, team of the season so far, and we only had one Arsenal player in there, and that was Saliba. And everyone's like, we're one of the only Arsenal fans. We're only one of the only teams that are unbeaten. How have we not got more? And I'm like. It's, it's hard to get more in there at the moment. That's the, oh, sorry, I had Declan Rice as well. Declan Rice and I had Saliba. But again, that 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 paints to the solidity of Arsenal. But in terms of like free-flowing, attacking football at the moment, I just don't think it's clicking. You're looking at Martin Odegaard at the moment. He hasn't... It's a fact. You look at his statistics, they're all dropping down from last year. He hasn't stepped up to the level that he was last year. But again, it's early in the season. They just come off a season where they hit a crazy height. You know, and then it ended disappointingly. So they're going to, I think Arsenal are going to work their way up. Their players are going to work their way up. It's going to get to winter. I think they're going to start to kick in. Last season, we saw them flying. Everyone was like, oh, wow, player of the year here. This, How many options have they got for player of the year? And then it ended badly. So I think this year, they're just going to find their way and see how it goes. I think they were caught massively by surprise by Chelsea. But mm -hmm. uh, Chelsea, those are one of them games where, Poch I don't even battle, think I don't even think yeah I don't think Pochettino even needs a team talk for them type of games because when you walk into that one Chelsea knew they were walking in as underdog first of all but not only underdog Chelsea are walking in as the disrespected team oh what are oh, Chelsea easy three easy three points have you seen their fixtures coming up it's gonna be easy but Chelsea came out it's like listen that felt like a proper old school Stamford Bridge night listen the rain was pouring which made it nicer oh, always Chelsea Arsenal yeah, right? yeah 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 always yeah. oh, remember the SCN yeah, goal Carl yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. scored oh, one yeah. way back yeah yeah, yeah. So, well, it's just like it's, it's the colours as well isn't it it's the, yeah. it's the red and the blue, blue. under the lights it, it feels yeah. right do you it was, think it was that, proper. do you think that, that allowed for a lack of pressure on Chelsea where they could it could be about passion and desire mm -hmm. and, and, and that hard work because you had a lot of energy in that team yeah 100% and also with Chelsea if Chelsea gone into that game fully manned then there's a little bit more pressure but if you're Malo Gusto and your Kukurea who are effectively our second choice fullbacks the job is pretty simple we don't need you to worry about going that way we need you to worry about sorting out Martinelli and, and Bukayo Saka and they did that effectively um, and so yeah the pressure was alleviated and it's very different being Chelsea in that game and then being Arsenal mm -hmm. Arsenal came to Stamford Bridge imagine this coming to Stamford Bridge and being expected to win mm -hmm. That that's not really ever happened mm -hmm. and so Arsenal Arsenal credit to them, and I know we're going to talk about Arsenal in this. They they deserve a lot of credit because this season I've seen it with Arsenal. They just found ways not to lose games. Yeah. If you look at the Man City game, obviously they won that game. Like last season, they might not have. Last season, they didn't. You see the Man United game where they just found a way to get it last minute. Mm -hmm. This Arsenal team impressed me because, like we say, their best players have not hit form. That they're going to return to the mean eventually. Saka's going to start banging in goals. So is Martinelli sure. and so is Odegaard. And when they do get to that level, this mm -hmm. team will be very scary. Yeah, yeah, no, I fully agree. I think, I think with the teams that want to be at the top, which is obviously Chelsea's one of those, right? You have two te two kinds of tests. You have you have those those big games where you're actually going head to head, and then there's being able to chip away and break break down the teams. Which which test would you want? Chelsea to which test is more important to you Kweku so like for example they played Arsenal here now a draw now both teams actually came away kind of okay but kind of disappointed but kind mm -hmm. of happy right because Arsenal kept the unbeaten record Chelsea you know did well the next game is against Brentford at home mm -hmm. as well I would suggest that that's both a more important game and a better more important test as well 
than the Arsenal game because I think the dealing with pressure as a as the aggressor of the two teams of being the favourite that's something that you have to be too good against an opposition mm-hmm. and I think a game against Brentford you know I say West London Derby loosely because Brentford's in Middlesex but the, <laughs> when, when it, with a game like that that's actually the real test for me 100% and I get told I read too much into things game if that game was at three o'clock on a Saturday, it's different. 12.30, early kickoff, everyone's watching because everyone is watching. It's a kickoff football weekend. There is pressure because you know that if you slip up, then it's a long weekend for you. Um, and so that's the game. Fans are half asleep. Exactly. Like you, nice. And I think a lot of teams do get away with the 3pm kickoff so no one's watching it. You can't really watch it in this country legally anyway. Um, so, Chelsea versus Brentford's 12.30 kickoff will tell me where we're really at. Like you say, team talk was e- mm-hmm. easy for Poch against Arsenal. That's a London derby, mm-hmm. 5.30 under the lights, Stamford Bridge. If you're not up for that, then you shouldn't be playing for Chelsea. Yeah. Against Brentford, a team that are missing their best player, against a team that have given Chelsea problems previously, but you'd expect Mauricio Pochettino to have enough in the locker to set his team out to go and win that game. That's on the players now. This is on the players to go out there and show that you are better than Brentford. You're not going to be finishing below them this season. You are the top team in West London, which is crazy to say that we finished <laughs> below Brentford and Fulham last year. So I'm expecting to see a big performance, similar to the performance against Burnley before the international break. Chelsea score a lot of goals and let people know that we're actually kind of back. Yeah, yeah. The games that are deemed the small games are the games that you play more of. You only play big games yeah, in the yeah. Premier League. And a you couple get the same times amount of points. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. listen, I'm not saying that big games are not important. Big games are massively important to see what your ceiling is going to be. But your standard is the, the is the is these type of games. So these are the ones that Chelsea need to be winning, really and truly. And that, that's why, that's, so I guess it's really articulated in my head now a bit better. That's why I keep coming back to Liverpool. Because my thing with Liverpool, no, they're not as good defensively as mm. Arsenal. But of those games... I think they will. Fight. They have more answers to score more goals to break mm-hmm. down those teams than Arsenal do right now, and that's why I can't. I can't look away from them. They are always going to score goals against, against those guys. Mm-hmm. And so there's other. Although I mean, I think we're living in a league with a big nine now mm-hmm. in terms of the t- yeah. you know, Brighton games are difficult, the Villa games are difficult, Newcastle games are difficult. Yeah, obviously, yeah. As well. a problem. Tottenham are a problem. problem. Yeah. But so you've really, really got. You cannot be dropping points against. Those other teams, you have to be navigating them like well. So that is that is the thing I keep coming back to with Arsenal is I you sort of look around the team and it's just not it's not hot through the middle. Mm-hmm. Like there's the the missing that striker, but, which you could say the same for Chelsea as well. Yeah, for sure. But with Arsenal, none of the teams in the bottom half are going to beat them though. Do you know what I mean? I look at it and I look at how solid they are. I'm like, I guess they yeah, only need one. They, whereas Liverpool yeah, might need three. Liverpool might yeah. need three because they're going to concede a few. But I just look at Arsenal. I'm like. You're very difficult to beat. Maybe you won't win as many games as you need to to win the league, but teams aren't coming to beat you. And like you saw that more in the Man City game and in the Chelsea game. Obviously, Sanchez gives them the goal and lets them into the game. But the way that Declan Rice celebrated when he scored was like it was inevitable. When they scored the first one, they were going to score the second. Yeah, yeah. And when you were at that point, you know that you've got something a little bit special there. So um, despite the fact that Arsenal haven't hit the ground running, I've kind of assessed it this season and maybe reassessed it and I think the Premier League title could be going somewhere other than Etihad this season Okay, uh, let me read some copy out for you from the uh, I think it's from the Chelsea website actually Mikhailo Mudrik has revealed the message from the Chelsea coaching staff which inspired his first Stamford Bridge goal against Arsenal and thanked the Blues supporters for making it such a special moment the coach told me to chip the keeper no. the shameless man shameless stop, stop, with, your stop, week, stop. with your weaker foot as well yeah okay then mate 
So, and of course, this this sets off a chain of events, right? For our for one of our, and I think it's the first time we've used this phrase, and we've always been looking for different phrases. And um, and I think what one phrase I know we're going to be coming back to actually a bit later on the hipster lean, which we discovered a couple of weeks ago. I think we're going to have to talk about that again, especially when we get to Bournemouth. But Mudrick may have just saved Aaron Ramsdale's Arsenal career. <laughs> David Rea has been praised for his ability to claim crosses by Arteta and many Arsenal fans, but he does he does this by routinely being off his line. Say what you will about Mudrik's goal, but Rea is definitely at fault for it. Mudrik has even said himself that he meant it and that a Chelsea coach told him that Rea comes off his line in those scenarios. Mudrik may have just destroyed Rea's reputation for being great at stopping crosses and highlighted a weakness in his game. And this all stems from Mudrik snubbing Arsenal, of course. <laughs> but Arsenal then went and bought Trossard, who made it 2-2 at the weekend. So we've got ourselves our first, and I'm, I'm happy to hear more on Twitter. Hit me up. Our first full circle ripple, which is lovely to see. Uh, didn't mean it, did he? No. No way, No, right? no way, no. no how, no chance. No. I, I would love is to football, see it. Is football elite enough for you to be dribbling and know that you can't even look? Because he doesn't look, mm-hmm. does he? And it's okay, the that's the only thing like, I can possibly give him. The weaker foot as well. I'm not having it, if, mate. If Messi does it on his right foot, are we saying that he meant that? No, I'm saying he doesn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not seeing Messi with a, sat with a <laughs> telescope. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a smidge <laughs> more credit, credit in the bank from Messi Well, that, well. that's an interesting conversation because it is credit in the bank. And because Mudrik has started the season like or started Chelsea career so poorly, no one's given it to him, really, apart from the commentator on match of day. But say you come in and he was on fire and he come in like most Salah came in we're giving him that goal I don't think I I don't think I am no and do you know what what made me definitely not give it to him was the celebration. That celebration <laughs> is a disgrace. Yeah, that celebration is a disgrace. <laughs> you can't do the Bellingham, I see I'm the man. Yeah. I appreciate the body language of opening up to the fans and taking the adulation because yeah. he needs it. Yeah. But you didn't mean that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you did not mean that. Richard. I don't know if people remember, but Zappacosta did a similar thing to Chelsea in the Champions League. He just literally missed it across and he stood there and embraced the fans as if he meant it. I loved they it. I loved do it. it. Man. They always do that. I love it's it. naughty, naughty stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, one quick line on Mudrick. Like, how how are we feeling? Like, is there? I think there's going to be a lot of bookmarked mm. tweets and clips, um, maybe surfacing again. So yeah, this is what I mean. Like, when we get to this sort of time of the season, this is why I wanted to kind of put forward these ideas of certainties because, of course, we don't know anything that's going to happen. But you, I think you're getting more of a feel and more yeah. of a data set when it comes to Mudrick. Do you feel like he is turning the corner and? is going to get to that point that you want him to get to? He's he's so unfortunate that he falls into the category of player that exists within the social media sphere. Kai Havertz is there as well, where like anything they do is hyper-analysed, hyper-criticised by, by fans of both both teams. Point. And you have people who are solely Mudrick fans and, and mm-hmm. Mudrick's camp, and you have fans of Arsenal who are not and who highlight everything he does wrong, the 007 thing that went on for ages. Yeah. And so he has to perform consistently at an elite level to kind of bypass that, because until he does that and if he remains inconsistent people will always highlight his his misses and his mishaps oh i smell a podcast there so like <laughs> so who who are players that have been able to escape the social media sphere the name that popped into my head when you were talking there was because initially i was thinking how many games do you need to play well to get out of the social media sphere mm. and one player that came to mind for me was Xhaka 
Yeah. Because Jack was in it. Yeah, he was right. He was, he was living in it. Like yeah, he was yeah. one of the pioneers of it. And and if you weren't an Arsenal fan, you were getting onto Jack every time he did something wrong. Um but then he proved it last season that he was a decent player and as as a result of Arsenal not being very good. What yeah. what hooks you into the social media sphere then? I, I would suggest it's too transfer much. fee. It's yeah. this transfer fee overhype. Gary it's, Neville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, 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 Gary yeah. Neville was dragged in yeah. David Rea. Yeah. I would yes. say the transfer fee is dragged in Mudrick. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. dragged in Havertz. It's dragged in Werner. Pop, it's pop, dragged pop, in Maguire. Yeah. Right? I think it's just... Um, yeah. I also think it's um, the tribalism side of it as well. You know, I think a lot of people, they see a player getting hyped by a certain club or a certain fan base, and then they have to go the other way. You know mm. what I mean? And then it becomes like a narrative, especially on like Twitter. If you're watching Twitter too much, it's so funny because- Is there I was a player you're thinking of when, as you're talking Yeah, about. There's, there's a few players that, that have been there. I think Grealish. Jude, I think Grealish. I think Grealish is currently going through. And I think Jude Bellingham, before he went to Real Madrid, People had a narrative of, oh, he's not actually that good. You know, he's not really... Like, if you look at it, watch 90 minutes of his games, he was going through that. Declan Rice went through it. Yeah. Declan Rice... Yeah, 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 I remember yeah. there was a point when Declan Rice was linked to every club and every club was saying, why do we want this overrated British player? Yeah. We don't want him. So, a lot of times, yeah, when something just kicks off, it's hard to stop. And it's funny because yesterday I was talking about um, James Madison and I said, oh, uh, he's got character, personality, he's got first touch, he's got all this. Everyone's like, character? What, the guy that got them relegated? And I was like, so any player that gets relegated means you've got no character. And they're like, well, he missed his penalty in this game when Kane did it for England and when Saka did it. The missing of co- a penalty thing drives me insane. <laughs> but the thing is, you can it's miss a, a penalty. Kick. Yeah. It's a kick. Yeah, yeah. It's a kick. But like, just like, like, if you miss a penalty, okay, you can say that maybe you bottled a moment. Mm-hmm. But that does not mean you have not got no character. You've also I got said, the character to step on, take the kick. That's what I said. So I said, people are feeding <sighs> in. Like, I said, stop listening to rival talk. Like, how yeah. can we say Bakayo Saka has no character after the England situation? He then the same season or the season after became Arsenal's main penalty taker after missing for England on, in the final of a tournament. That's character. Cristiano like, Ronaldo missed about. the penalty in the Champions League final against Chelsea. And yeah. He's lucky the Van der Sar saved his soul because exactly. the narrative would be very different. Like, like you say, it's a penalty. And people live on Twitter. That's the problem. They live on it, man. It, they it, live it, on it's, it. It's currency now. With Twitter Blue, it's currency. So mm-hmm. like, I can understand why it's gone that way. But there are certain players, back to Mikhail Mudrik, that need to perform consistently to escape it. Because like you say, Declan Rice was in it, but no one can say anything about Declan Rice right now because he's performing well. And that's ultimately on the player. But because players read it and players are online as well, it kind of mishmashes and it it gets in the players' heads. And unfortunately, it's something you're going to have to show that resolve and mental fortitude to get past if you want to be a top player in this country. It's different abroad, but when you're playing the Premier League, there's a microscope and everything. You you just said with, with Twitter blue. What yeah. do you what do you mean by that? Well, Twitter, Twitter blue in terms of it's monetized now, so people right. get people get paid for tweets. What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. the people get paid for tweets, Hang which on. is <laughs> which is absolutely fair enough because it's it's a way to make sure. to make money and right. revenue stream. But as a result of that, you're seeing way more tweets that are coming from accounts that you don't even know who the person is that are just mm. putting a narrative out there and seeing mm. if it sticks. Mm. And that does drive football a lot. And mm. players see it. Players are our age. Players yeah, are yeah, online. Yeah. That stuff gets in your head. So. With Mudrik, just bypass that, score your goals, get your head down, and everything will be all right. I think, I think the issue with Mudrik is that, um, one, I think he created a lot of his own 
issues because of the whole way he was trying to flirt with Arsenal and stuff. And then obviously Chelsea came in and took him. So I think that was an issue. I think another one was, listen, a lot lot of people didn't watch Modric. Let's be realistic. Mm -hmm. Like no one was watching him at Shakhtar Zidaneth. They saw a few things that he did in the Champions League. And I think this hype that has built up is what the issue is with Modric. For me, Modric's a, a decent player. Like people, I feel like a lot of people think if you sign a young talent, that means their ceiling is elite. That That's not the case. Not Sometimes anymore. you could just be a good player. You know what I mean? And that could be a ceiling. But I think people are expecting, because of the feet, as we said, and because of the hype, mm. that he has to now become Iron Robin or something, or he has to become the, one of the best we've ever seen. I don't see that, that in him talent-wise. Yeah. So I don't see what people expect from him, if you get yeah. what I'm coming from. I ex- from what I'm seeing so far, I'm expecting a young guy who didn't play that many games. He played 30 games in Ukraine. Yeah, with a high, with a big price tag in a in a failing team at the moment in Chelsea. Mm-hmm. What did we What did we expect? <laughs> did we expect him to kill it? Yeah, just to destroy the Premier League all yeah. of a sudden. It's not It's not going to happen. But then yeah. it turns into slander. And I was always saying in the beginning, like when I saw Mudrik, I was like, and it sounds disrespectful, but first of all, the guy that I compared him to is not a bad player. I said, why is everyone saying? But what's the difference between Damari Gray and Mudrik? Is there can anyone answer me that? A bit more pace, probably. Yeah. But I think in terms of his superpowers, the idea was was that he's you know he has this outrageous pace and ability to dribble and you know. Well, I remember... Don't worry, Gray. I'm not having it. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I don't hate it. I'm sorry. 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 Yeah, no, he is. I'm, I don't think he's liking it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and accept that disrespect. <laughs> I was going to allow it, but come but, come on, bro, man. Look, Damari Gray okay, has what? the odd worldie in him. He has a worldie in him as well. He just scores some worldie goals. He's fast. He can take on players. All I'm saying is, yeah, like there's a there's the margin between great and what, what and about, decent in this era isn't that huge. What about Lookman? Adam Ola Lookman. Yeah. Is there a massive di- like because I think profile. I know you don't like this. Why do you like but it? Why is Mudrick better than these guys immediately? And this no, listen. This not only happens at your club. It happens yeah. at my club. For example, we have Ganacho, right? Mm-hmm. Ganacho is a good young talent, right? He's a good young talent for his age, but that doesn't mean he's a great, p- good player in football right now. Do you get where I'm coming from? Oh no! Yeah, so, for example, yeah. you look at Trossard. Yeah, Trossard is a good player. Yeah, we'll just say he's a good player, just a standard good player. Ganacho is nowhere near Trossard's level. He's nowhere near it. Yeah, but he, for his age group, he's good. Yeah, yeah. and but obviously, do you get where I'm coming from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, does, but you, guys... you need game. This is this is the problem with the top teams and the young players in the top teams. They haven't played the games. Yeah, they you got to play 150. You have to play 150 games. You need to learn from things going well, things yeah. going badly, and that's what like I wasn't too bothered about the Demario Gray. I think profile was is different, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like Demario Gray, <laughs> Demario Gray's played a lot of games of football. And yes. Adamola Lookman, actually, Adamola Lookman's a good one because yeah. Adamola Lookman's gone. To a- Atalanta, he's gone broad. He's played games, played for you know, been at Leicester as well. And that's... you don't like that one, innit? Oh, you... <laughs> if you I think can't. about it, though, like I can't. so, for example, <laughs> in your twenties, you work your nuts off. In your thirties, you start to get your bit of money, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideally, 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 right? Yeah, ideally. Yeah, yeah. And so, if you make it, if you put that to football, if you, I would say, eighteen to twenty-five. It would be a, a fair lens of critique. Mm-hmm. Would be, are they getting as a twenty? I don't know how old Eze is now. Right, Kai, shout it in my ear if you can tell me. Uh, Eze from nineteen to twenty-four, mm. and then 
And then all of a sudden, oh, wow, he's a baller. I told you he was great. He's at Crystal Palace. He's in the England squad. Mm-hmm. You don't just become that. Yeah. So I think that you, what you're right in saying is that you want to see elements of it. Yeah. Because you say 25, Kai. Yeah. 25. So there you go. Like it, That moment where it all comes yeah. together comes from playing loads of games. Yeah. That is, that's my problem with, with Mudrick and some of the elements of the, the, the recruitment of Chelsea is the fact that they're not going to get the game time. Yeah, it's, you, it's the badge. It's the it's, it's the weight. It's the weight of the badge. The badge is what creates and the noise this, around the badge. Yeah. The spotlight. The badge is what creates this. For example, Rasmus Hoyland mm-hmm. is a good young talent. Again, he's a good young talent. No, he's not better than Oli Watkins. No, he's not better than Ivan Tony. But immediately, you join Man United, and it's like you have to now be one of the top four strikers in the Premier League. Like mm-hmm. immediately, he joins. It's like rank these Premier League strikers. Haaland. Hoyland, what? How, yeah. When did he yeah. overtake yeah. Ho- Ollie Watkins, Ivan Tonys, Mitrovic's, and these type of players? Do you like, know what the issue is? It's the badge. The issue is ceiling. The word is ceiling because we know that Hoyland's ceiling because of the PMP and mm. like there's a certain profile that he yeah. is that he's probably got a higher ceiling than Ivan Tony, who've seen highest ceiling, which is 20 goals in the Premier League yeah. that assisted by six penalties. Yeah. That, that's Ivan Tony's highest ceiling, probably. Mm-hmm. And so I can understand why, as a United fan, and me as a Chelsea fan, when I'm looking at Mikhailo Mudrik, you guys telling me that he's as good as Tamari Gray and Admiral Lutman <laughs> tells me that my club's in the mud because he's spent about 90 mil for him. Yeah. He's <laughs> about 90 but mil for but him. I think what, so that's I what's getting, but that's what gets forgotten <laughs> yeah. at the starting point is like, Okay, we want these great players. Yeah. We're paying... The, and that's what Chelsea... Chelsea have done quite well, is that they bought a lot of 25, 30 mil players. And you can only yeah, go, yeah. okay, let's see how he gets on. Yeah. But when you pay whatever they paid for Mudrik, which is like near 80, mm. right? That's the problem. Mm. You can't be, yeah. We can't be seeing Damari Gray results. Yeah. 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 That's I feel the, like and you're trolling me. Yeah, no, 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 no. Are you serious? Are you trolling? No, I'm, I'm dead serious right now. I'm, like, I'm dead serious. I'm like, I'm just saying that. What, is, what have people seen so far that we haven't seen Damari Gray do? Yeah, yeah, okay. And this is the problem because I can relate it to you. Yeah. Yeah. The reason why I can't accept that and I won't I'll fight the agenda is because my club and I know it mm-hmm. has been in the mud for the last two or three years. Yeah. I'm hoping that we're coming out of it. I don't know. I'm yeah. just hoping I'm a fan. And so if you guys are telling me that this guy that we spent 90 mil on, that people were saying in training he's looking like this and looking like that, mm-hmm. is the same as Damari Gray and Adam Lookman, we're in big trouble because we yeah. spent 115 mil on Kaiseido. We spent 100 mil on Ezra Fernandez. Yeah. He's telling us that our scouting department is spending this much money on players that are similar to the players you're mentioning. Yeah. We're in big the trouble, is, similar to Anthony. The mar- yes, but the thing is, the mar- this is what I'm saying. The margin, yeah, between what people deem as a great player or a great talent to what people deem as a good player is a lot closer. For example, what makes Amrabat at Man United better than Kamara at Aston Villa? Oh, he's not. Yeah. Oh, there, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, they're th- again, they're different. Again, yeah, but different this is what I mean. Like, so you, yeah. so, but then you'll be seeing like Amrabat. They'll talk about him like as if like we've just signed one of the uh, gems of world football or something. We haven't. He's just a standard player, and that's the thing. I think the margins are closing, and this is what I mean. For example, Anthony. You mentioned Anthony. We just spent hundred million on him. Is he better than Jared Bowen? Jared Bowen I was no, you know he's no. not. And will he ever be better yeah. in the Jared? We don't know these. Like, so or will he provide the same amount of output? This is the thing. Bowen, right? So, like, it's the, the margins are closer than you think. I think what he's getting at is that saying. there is a there is a snobbery. Yeah. I get it all the time when yeah, I go. Yeah. This championship player, he will be playing in the Premier League yeah, for yeah. an awesome side, yeah. and people go, 
because they mm-hmm. haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Mm. Which comes back to our certainty. I, I, can can I just say one thing that's come to my <laughs> mind? And I think this is what makes me sad inherently about football. The hero era of ball has died. And we talked about it last time we came on podcast together, mm-hmm. how football's manager's game. Give me an era where you bring in a player, and I think the last player to do this was Bruno Fernandes at the highest level. Mm. They come in and they change the fortunes of your club. Eden Hazard did that for Chelsea as well mm. in the post-Lampard, Terry, Drogba era. Mm. I think that as Ma- fans... Madison. Yeah, yeah, Madison's, do, Madison's yeah. doing it and that's why Spurs fans are going ballistic about yeah. it because as a football fan you're a child innately and you want to have that person name with back of your shirt you want to yeah, say you've got yeah. one of the best players in the world and because football's such a manager's game like you say you can bring in the Trossard and he can look as good as a, a Mudrick or you mm-hmm. can bring in anybody Doku can look as good as anybody yeah. because managers dictate the whims of the game and for me as a man who grew up in the era of Zidane, R9, Figo, mm-hmm. Raul I miss the era of players coming and changing the fortunes of a club. I think, you, I think they still exist. I, I think, but the difference is they have to be, they have to be a, a, a man, right? So Mo Madison Salah. is, Mad- Mo, Salah, Mo Salah had to go around the yeah, houses yeah, as well. Yeah. But Madison is ready. He wants it. Mm-hmm. He wants that shirt. Bruno Fernandes wants that shirt. Like, this is my problem. You've probably got, again, you've got Damari Gray and Lookman and, and Mudrick. <laughs> last thing on this. <laughs> Mudrick's a better seed, right? The seed is a better quality seed. Yeah. Is it in a better environment? Is it going to get watered? Is it going to mm. get the right... Is the sunlight too hot? Mm-hmm. Like, that freedom to make mistakes and to learn from them, yeah. that, that is the problem with stockpiling these young players, mm-hmm. especially when it's with a badge that comes with a need for results mm-hmm. pretty quickly. And someone like Conor Gallagher, a couple of months ago, again, things pulling into focus. He looks like a one hell of a player yeah, now, true, but true. he has been at Charlton and Crystal yeah. Palace and he's Swansea. played a lot of games. Yeah. He's played a lot of games and have to. Can I just say something? I I think what, what it is, I, I think people need to look at footballers in isolation. Forget about the hype, forget about whatever, just look at it in isolation. For example, yeah. Cole Palmer was a Manchester City Academy player, right? Yeah. If you had said Cole Palmer is a better talent than a certain player that was firing at the time. People will say, absolutely not. No way is he. How? But you actually watch him play, you could see the talent and now he's able to display that at at Chelsea. For example, you got James um, McAtee, I think McAtee, 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 uh, at at, um, Sheffield United now. Mm -hmm. If I was to say to people, oh, James McAtee is a better footballer than a lot of players in the league. They'll be like, what? Some Sheffield United. But this guy was in the same academy as Cole Potmar and and those lot. And he was one of those, he was like literally the star of that. Yeah. But, because he's at Sheffield United, the perception will be like, oh, no, no, surely he's not that good of a footballer. But he is a very good footballer. Do you, get, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. No, no. It's all perception. You have to look at it in isolation without the club, the badge, what people are saying. If you just watch them yourselves. But if you're going to come into it, you've, I mean. got, you've got to be ready. Like yeah. Levi Colwell yeah. was at Huddersfield and he was at Bright. The, yeah. the, it's very clear the steps That's towards being true. ready for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Mudrick has not had those steps. Could That's games a problem. In Could I ask you guys a question? If Mikhailo Mudrik, before we move on, if Mikhailo Mudrik would have gone to Arsenal in January, mm-hmm. what are we seeing right now? So if he goes to not Arsenal, than, no, there's no. not the same um, story around it. Mm. I don't think he starts. I think you put yeah. him on for 15 minutes against teams that you need to finish off when you're already 2-1 up. Mm. He's not playing many more minutes than Reese Nelson. Mm. And he's just did another he'll option play. to hurt the opposition. I think he'll play more than Nelson. That Nelson. I, but you I might be able to chill with Martinelli when you're two goals yes, up. Yeah, I agree. On the yes, left hand yes, side, yes, right? Yes. So I think he would have been better off. Okay. I think he would mm. be better off. Demari but with Gray. Arsenal, I think Arsenal made a very good move with Trossard as well. Demari Gray, I'm right. going to look, but you guys good. killed me, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. That was good. Okay. <laughs>
Sheffield United lost. And God, they, Sheffield United look like QPR a little bit in terms of even when they play OK, they're still not getting anything from it. McTominay getting Scotland to the Euros means that Mason Mount won't be going to the Euros. That is the ripple effect from this game. Scott McTominay has scored six goals in Euro qualifying so far. This puts him level with Mbappe and Haaland. It's not bad, is it? That's crazy. Uh, he's joint third top scorer currently. But him playing further up the pitch has reminded everyone how good a finisher he can be. His confidence in front of goal led to the 2-1 win reverse against Brentford. Uh, sorry, versus Brentford. Uh, which then resulted in him getting a start against Sheffield United. He then scored. He did give a penalty away, but we're going to put that to one side. <laughs> and due to the confidence he's currently running on, it he probably is ahead of Mount in the pecking order, Cam. Well, so where is Mount in the Man United? centre midfield pecking order is he even a centre midfielder what is going on here I have no idea I have no idea that's the reality and this is um, I think like you know a lot of people have their issues with what's going on with Man United and we can listen that could be a two hour episode you know what I mean but we don't have two hours so how I see it is my biggest issue with Ten Hag and I sat there and I thought about it because I go on podcasts obviously all the time and speaking about this issue, maybe it might be the Glazers, maybe it might be the players, maybe it might be the manager's identity. And I've actually just looked at it and I actually think the big issue with Man United at the moment is Ten Hag's signings are not good. He's not signing good players. Like, he's not making the right signings. And that's the reality. Like, if you give Ange eight players to sign, you're going to see a different Spurs. And whether that's a good Spurs or a bad Spurs, you're going to see it in the reflection of whatever he wanted to create. Arteta the same. Uh, Pep Guardiola the same, Klopp the same, and I'm sure Pochettino the same. Because we don't know if Poch signed them all them players. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, if you if you have like the eight of Poch's signings, we have signed eight players. I think Johnny Evans was no, and I can't say it's a club sign because Ten Hag actually spoke to him the season before and said, "Listen, if if you're available, we'll bring you." So Johnny Evans, Anthony, Casemiro, Eriksson, Mason Mount, um, Hoyland, and Malasia. Yeah. Amabat. And Amr- I'm going to allow Amrit because he's alone at the moment. Okay. I'm not going to include Weghorst. I'm not going to include Sibitza okay, cool. because they're alone. But you're signing him. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we might. We, we might. You do. have to. You but basically have to, don't you? I, I don't I have no idea. Okay. I, I, I think you do. There we go. Yeah. So does it raise the level? I've just said eight players that we've signed and it's not raised anything for Manchester United. We're already talking about what does he want to do with Mason Mount? Because Mason Mount has popped up on the right. He's popped up in the eight. He's popped up in the 10. What does he want to do? And in last game, he played three minutes. So... That's interesting. Hoyland is a young striker. A team like Man United, 20 years old, trying to lead the line. It's going to take a while. So jury's going to be out for that one. Anthony could possibly go down as our worst signing one day, right? Johnny Evans, he left the club in 2014. You know, Ericsson, short-term signing. Casemiro, short-term, let's just get it done this season type mm. of signing. Oh, sorry, I forgot Lissandro. I think Lissandro's the only one I'll be like, okay, yeah. pretty decent signing. But other than that, we're talking about eight signings and I'm sitting there about seven of them. Yeah. Like, like I'm sorry we can talk about anything else but the manager's signings have not been that good and I've I've talked about this so many times in different podcasts I've jumped on when I saw Ten Hag's Ajax team up close and personal when they play against Chelsea they played a certain type of football possession based and I I can agree that the beginning of last season, lost against Brighton, lost against Brentford, kind of reverted to a formation that would help him help see him through games. Does a top manager do that? Though? No, no, they, they don't. They do don't. That. And then you hear him this preseason being like, "I want to be the best transition team in the world." I'm like, "That's not what they brought you in to do. Yeah. They brought you in to dominate the ball and, and be a possession based team." And we talked about the analytics, analytics. I, I, he's a 
an excellent O's man, but he's putting his faith in the Jims and the Joes. He's bringing in players that he needs to he needs to perform. He's bringing in players that he needs to to get goals. If Rashford's not banging. F- yeah. 18, 19 goals a season, mm-hmm. United are struggling. If Bruno Fernandes doesn't pick up the ball, mm-hmm. United are struggling. If Lissandro's not on it or Casemiro's not on it, you're struggling. There's not a base there. And so if you take these players out of that team, may United are struggling. If you look at an Arsenal, you look at Man City, you look at Liverpool, you take players out of that team, they've still got a style of play. Mm-hmm. May United are so beholden to individuals, mm-hmm. it's problematic and it's but going to be a big, it, big issue for him. If you want to be the best transitional team in the world, do you sign Lissandro, who's not a very much of a peak athlete that can do the recoveries that if you go past him, he's going to chase you down in the style of Mickey van der Ven at the moment? Do you bring in Anthony, who clearly doesn't have running power, who is not a transitional player? Mason Mount's best moment was under Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel wasn't playing transition football per, per se. Everyone was saying, oh, slow, Chelsea, boring football. That's how people were talking about Tuchel. And, and, and Mason Mount was in his best moment there, playing off the left or playing off the right. So do you bring in Mason Mount for that? I understand the Mason Mount one a little bit, but like because obviously Mason Mount is good at pressing. But I just think with his signings, they're not really making sense to what he's saying. Ericsson, you want to play the best transitional football in world football <laughs> with, with with Ericsson? <laughs> yeah. You want to play the best transition football in the world for, with, with with Casemiro? They're not matching what you're saying. Like yeah. some of them, okay, I see the profile behind it. Malassia, but Malassia's not displacing Luke Shaw. So he's just a backup. Yeah. Mason Mount. Already, it's looking like I don't know what to do with him. So yeah. I'm kind of confused as to what he's trying to build here through his signings. Forget everyone's talking about Rashford's not doing his job, Bruno's not doing his job. These are we're having to rely on guys who, I'm sorry, they failed at Man United. Mm-hmm. Like we've they've been part of their biggest failures. Mm-hmm. We're relying on them again. Because Ten Hag signings are not good. Take, cut the purse strings. <laughs> but it kind of it comes back to what you're saying in terms of like how do you look at at Man United like if you take away the this is Man United element of it mm. like you say you can look at that squad and it looks it looks very different all of a sudden and mm-hmm. when it comes to Ten Hag I think there's always a tipping point with managers where it's where it has to then sort of go to him and I think the thing that he's missed here the opportunity that he missed was that you'd seen Arteta do what he d- did and Arteta cleared the decks he, cle- he absolutely cleared that squad out Changed it, made it younger, mm-hmm. went and got... And the recruitment was correct. And the the recruitment was specific too. Yeah. So coming back to your point, I think you're right with the bulk of what you're saying there in terms of the players don't... T- I mean, I guess with Anthony, you go, well, it kind of worked at Ajax, so we'll bring him here. But he's gone past the moment where he's cleared the... De- he, he could have cleared the decks. Mm. He hasn't done that properly and could have gone for a season where eight's enough. Mm. But now... He's actually had an all right season, got some points, brought in a lot of players. I've got his um, stats here, actually, in terms of like, in terms of uh, uh, price per point, 50.9 million during the time that Ten Hag has been there. So there's money has been spent mm. by him. And they're players that you're like Ben White came in or if you mm. go through that, that, those list of players, not only were you sure they were good enough, even if you weren't Tomiyasu, mm. maybe Gabriel, he could pop in there. I'm sure there's another other names there as well. The manager has made them better. The, yeah. the, the, the point, though, is that you're looking at a very different Manchester United if Ralph Randick is still there. Ralph Randick called early doors. He was like, this is not good enough. United open need open heart, heart surgery. surgery. And those words have rung true. And the thing about 
uh, Arteta at Arsenal, he had Edu there backing and co-signing everything he was doing. That's true. Ten Hag's out there in the wilderness doing this left, on his one. They left that, apparently they ended up leaving that decision to Ten Hag and he said he doesn't want Rangnick. Well, that's insane. So then, yeah, I mean, like you got to stand if, on it. If you're Manchester United, I know that he's not very well right now. You go and look at an Edwin van der Sar and you go and look at what he did at Ajax and you bring somebody like that in. Um, it's not football manager. The mm-hmm. managers cannot be profiling and signing these players. It cannot happen. Mm-hmm. They can sign you it off. help, don't you? When Jurgen Klopp first came to Liverpool, there was talks he wanted to bring in Marco Royce and Gertz, the players that he knew. And the board were like, no, you've got no salary, get a salary mm-hmm. man there, you're going to be happy with it and go from there. And they, they built a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. where it worked perfectly for about five years. Yeah. May not have not That's the that. issue, of course, on our board level, and obviously talking about all the surgeon Ratcliffe and stuff. That's apparently what he wants to come in and kind of bring in. But it's 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 a big concern because everyone's saying, all right, May not need better players, need more players. Do you trust to give Ten Hag another four hundred no, million? They don't. Uh, th- that's the thing. And as I said, in this era now, the margin between a team that's eighth to the team that's second isn't as big as people think, right? Mm. So. You have to get, you, I'm sorry, you have to get your windows right. You have to, because Aston Villa, for example, they're getting their windows right. Newcastle, they're getting it right. And that's why they're battling for top fours. Um, Spurs, they're getting it right. You're looking at Vicario, wow. Mickey, Van der Ven, wow. Madison, we're already saying and signings are unbelievable. Do we say that about Ten Hag ones? No, but, the, but the broad... You've got to get them right in this era. You can't afford to miss out. But you know what? So Gary Neal said something. He said it a couple of times on Monday Night Football, and I thought it was... It was um, very pertinent. And he, he spoke about pictures. He was saying, oh, the Bournemouth team, they, they for them, they haven't, they went with a back three instead of a four, I think, or something like this. Forgive me if I'm butchering it. But he was talking about how they, they won't have known those pictures uh, or we weren't ready for those pictures and that's why we kind of conceded a goal. And that's such an important thing that you've seen with Tottenham straight away. You see with Arsenal, almost to a point now where the opposition can see the pictures mm-hmm. because they've been so drilled in what they're doing. And that's that's a thing that, you know, at the top level, you need to be scanning all the time, but you have to have those pictures so that you can get through the traffic quickly and break a press because mm-hmm. teams are so good. That is that is what's killing Man United. And that's where the foothold that Chelsea are starting to get a little bit is that you're starting to... Players are understanding the pictures that will get them out of trouble. And so when you look at this lineup, or the, I mean the overall like top lineup, is it one where... Because he's made so many changes. Mm-hmm. Amrabat already has played in you know a couple of different mm-hmm. positions. So how on earth can you have those pictures to control the game if you don't have that very, very, very yeah. clear identity? And what I find odd is that we know Ten Hag has a style of play. Mm. So why why can't we see it? Is that on him or is it not on him? I think it's... I personally think it's. it's he's got to take responsibility for At that some as point. well. Because um, a lot of people are going to say, okay, yeah, listen, injuries have been bad to us and, and you guys as well, Chelsea as well, this season. And that's a but, bad back four. Yeah. Delow, Maguire, yeah. Evans, Lindelof. I get people like Delow, some like him, some don't. Yeah, but, but I think he's fine. The, the issue is though, like regardless of that, I've seen Man United play the same way with our best back four. I've seen Man United play the same way with our full starting eleven. Mm. So I, I would understand it if this was Ten Hag's first season. We had all these injuries and I'm like, okay, let's wait for Luke Shaw, Lissandro. Uh, yeah, let's wait for it. But um, all of them were fit against Wolves and we almost conceded like eight goals. Like I con- going back to last season, after the Carabao Cup, it became a disaster. Let's not forget we lost 7-0 in that, in that period as well. Yeah. After that, it just became a disaster. I haven't seen Man United play a good level of football 
probably since the Barcelona game that we played in the um in the yeah, in the Europa League. Yeah. So this is a reoccurring pattern. Injuries or not, I still think if we have a fully fit starting eleven tomorrow. I'm not going to see a cohesive side. I'm not going to see a team that look like they have patterns going on. I'm still going to see the same things. Okay, our means to winning might increase a little bit because of just automatic, automatics, like maybe fine ration in certain areas. But uh, it's, it's a concern. You look at the starting, you look at our attack, one goal for Rashford. It's bad. Zero for everyone else. McTominay's up there. Our attack has one goal, James. <laughs> that is mad. And, you're say- and sorry, and you're saying you're that's- saying that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's bad, but, isn't it? But also, what's not helped him as well is that it's not only that his signings aren't performing. I'll tell you, your most hope high profile signing because of who left mm. was the Gaya leaving and Onana coming oh, I in. To, I don't know, and it's not even the fact that Onana's not. He's performing badly yeah. He's, yeah. he's performing awfully yeah. and that was supposed to change the style of play as well yeah. and so when that's happening and your people starting to be like oh so you're only bringing players that come from Eredivisie or you've mm-hmm. managed or you've seen up close people are going to start but asking that's questions my, that's my concern we we did an episode actually funny enough we did an episode and you asked me um, and I said I think um, Onana's going to be the most transformative <laughs> signing <laughs> and he has been he has yeah, been yeah. <laughs> but like that's the thing though like you mentioned um, the Brentford and Brighton game last season you said that Ten Hag reverted kind of like whoa we we got we got found out let's quickly go and just kind of change our style and just become a results-based team it's the same thing with Onana we were talking about Onana being this regardless of what you think about him shot stopping he's one of the best footballing keepers in the world Mm. you know we don't play that he doesn't do that no more so it's basically we should have just went and signed Nick Pope or something because that's how we're using him because he's an Standard keeper at the moment. He's not doing any ball playing ability from the back. We're not building from the back. We're just launching it long. So why would we... This is my concern. Why are we throwing away our principles? Why does Ten Hag throw away the principles so quickly? That's so true. It's principles. It's, like, it's crazy. Because it, f- football's all about principles. When when the shit hits the fan, mm-hmm. you know that you've got a style of play to get you out of problems. Like like you said, Gary Neal's talking about pictures. And that's it. Do you mm-hmm. what I, okay, maybe this is a harsh thing to say. But you look at the team there and you talk about the principles and things like that. And maybe it's just because they're on a good run. If you take Ten Hag out and put Postacoglu in that as that manager, I think he fixes that quite quickly. Well, Spurs is the proof in the pudding, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spurs is the proof. Everyone was I think Spurs a... are going to be like 10th. I, yeah. did a, I did a video uh, chatting to um, a Brighton fan, Villa fan and a Newcastle fan. And we, as we were chatting, I was thinking about those managers. I was thinking, wow, like those three managers have added 20% in terms of the quality and the output of, of the players that you've got. Jacob Murphy, for mm-hmm. example, who's killing it because of the, the system that's around it at some point, And it's getting close, you know, Tuchel is going to turn on Tuchel pretty heavily soon yeah. because it can't, it can't all be everyone else. Yeah. And, and you're right. He's not, he's, he's in the fog right now and he needs to kind mm-hmm. of make, make a decision and stick with it. Let's move this forward because I want to talk about certainties. And I also just want to touch on manager sacking. So we're going to do our second podcast. And within that podcast, the Pyramids of all mm-hmm. there will be eight managers that we will have to say will be gone by May. Now, I don't need names here. But what I did just want to touch on, because October is the time mm-hmm. when managers start to, to start to go pretty quickly. Last season, there were 16 managers. Wow. 16 managers that 
that got sacked. <laughs> yeah, insane. I'll tell you what, I'll give you I'll give you a minute. How many can how many can you get uh, remember? Potter. Lampard. Lampard. No, Lampard didn't get sacked. No, yeah, sorry, January. No. Yeah, yeah. Everton. Oh, Everton. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Lampard, Potter. <laughs> she got, um, she got sacked on. Um, Let me think. Wait, okay, this is bad podcasting. Scott Parker. <laughs> Scott Parker, too cool. Large. Bruno Large, remember him? Steven Gerrard, a year ago. Wow. Emery um, celebrating his uh, anniversary today, I think. Hazen Hootel. Oh, yeah. Lampard. Wow. Jesse Marsh. Nathan Jones. Oh, yeah. Patrick Vieira. Antonio Conte. Rogers. Potter, as you said, Stellini. Mm. <laughs> it's crazy. Gracia, Sellers, and O'Neill. Yeah, 100%. Like, and like, like you say, like they had their different like, narratives, but because there were so many seconds last season, and that's why when people, when people were making the predictions about who's going to go down, like, no, because all of those teams are going to change their manager yeah. and, that, they, and their fortunes will change. But what, so, and I don't need an answer on this, but I just kind of want to say, I just, because I think it's interesting when we're at this stage of the season. So, 16 sackings last year. Wow. And it was actually a record-breaking year. Previous record was ten. Wow! Very, and I guess you maybe have seasons like this. But going into that season, like Hassan Hootel, pretty steady in his job. Mm. Gerard, think had you thought had money in the bank? Too cool. Um, yeah, some clubs uh, sacked three players, seats sacked two at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah Vieira, yeah. you thought had a chance. Mm. You know, there's a lot of Conte, of course. Yeah, a lot of managers that you thought might might do well. Um, so there were more sackings in the first half. Of, this is amazing. There were more sackings in the first half of last season than in the first seven Premier League seasons combined. The World Cup had something to do with that. That was a clear definitive. Oh, we pre, can get one out. Yeah, yeah. pre and post World Cup. Yeah, I think Southampton that was, did that with Nathan Jones. That yeah. was a good shout, wasn't it? So, because <laughs> what I wanted to put forward was like based on what we know, and I'm happy to have one name because we're going to fill in the names on the on the next pod. But based on what we know now, this probably means, and I looked at some of the stats on it, and it, it, this article is only up to 2022. Yeah. And it said that, I mean, essentially, if we add on these 16 to the average, generally about nine managers go every season. And if you have a look at the list of managers knocking about, yeah. it's actually quite difficult. So, But it's inevitable. So in mm. terms of certainties this season, it might not feel like it right now. And as we are recording... Iraola is still in his job mm. and you know talking about the hipster lane cracker we were all for <laughs> they'll be fine they're going to be 12 we were feeling Bournemouth and yeah, we were. Were you, yeah? yeah pre-season 100% I was oh. like yeah they're bringing the progressive manager and and spent money credit to Gary O'Neill who was doing his lap of mm-hmm. on the tour after Wolves beat Bournemouth on Monday Night Football and he obviously showed decorum he spoke very well but credit to a man who shouldn't have been sacked with one of the managers mm-hmm. of the last season has gone to a new club and is doing very very well so mm-hmm. sometimes sacking the manager is not the right solution yeah yeah, yeah. so in terms of let's just give me give me one name uh each that so in terms of favorites to be sacked who will be the next oh. the so Iriolo is currently the favorite Heckenbottom, ten hag company rob edwards pochettino dyche o'neill and then silver are the current favorites for the sacking i mean with some of these guys it's like i guess the only twist on this is this so the newly promoted team struggling to to grasp the Premier League, it might mean one thing: that all three of the newly promoted teams have managers in their first full seasons, and they're going to struggle. And the main reason they're struggling is down to quality. Mm. And if you have stubborn owners, they're likely to say that it's managers inexperienced that's the cause. So that could lead to, it could lead to all three of those mm. newly promoted teams getting rid of their manager. So in terms of a ripple effect, if those three go. Are we going to see Big Sam come back? 
That's what I'm trying to get to. Is Big Sam <laughs> yeah, on his way? I'm, I was just about to say, I can see... Heckenbottom's first. Is I he can... not? Heckenbottom, that's the Sheffield United man, yeah? <laughs> yes. Yeah, no. It's, uh, yeah. I just don't see the point. I just don't see a point in Sheffield United sacking a manager. Like, you're going down. That, that's, how I, that's how I see it. The I, one that I'm saying is, yeah. is, is company. I think company, as much as, you know, black manager and stuff, I don't want it to happen. Because um, of course, there's not many in the in, in the Premier League or in football, but I just think they see Burnley as a team, especially because of what they done last season. I think they have a perception that we can do better, yeah. you know. And I can see him being the one where it's like we are massively underachieving what we thought we would be doing. So I think he's at massive risk. A hundred, a hundred percent. Because if you look at what Burnley were doing in the summer and then what what Sheffield United were doing in the summer, very exactly. different. Sheffield United was selling their best players. Then Jay went to Marseille, um, they sold Sanderberger to Burnley. Yeah, so yeah. like, and so Heckenbottom's got a built-in excuse. What we all sat here, I, I, I assume, in pre-season, they said that Burnley are going to do a little bit. They're spending yeah, yeah. big money on a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And then you look at like, business that has done by Luton or by Sheffield United, it's very different. So those yeah. managers have got a different project, a different task. Whereas company came in to Burnley or came to the Premier League expecting to do big things and they're struggling. Yeah. Okay. We will return to that topic very, very soon, uh, later in the week for the Pyramids of Allcourt. Certainties by 2025. So I asked uh, for your for you guys to have a think about some certainties and on Twitter as well. So we'll go through a few from Twitter. Well done, guys. Thank you very much for getting involved. Uh, much appreciated. And uh, yeah, then we'll chuck a few out there as well. So short of a Super League, European leagues that share borders will start merging. Do you, This is something that you, you've got a, a thought on this, Kweku, right? In terms mm-hmm. of the um, globalisation of, of football. I think yeah. it's really interesting. Yeah, the decentralisation of power in football. And we're seeing it already. Um, FIFA are very keen to push this Club World Cup, to expand the Club World Cup. That I think will gain our interest because we're going to be seeing teams that have got players that we know about. And you look at some of the teams that are playing in Saudi Arabia and some of their starting lineups. There are they are teams that they resemble Premier League teams. Um, and obviously Europe will always be the central power because the money is here and it's so established and so much part of the history of the game. But as the Club World Cup develops and as as owners push to to make a more homogenous game and we saw it with the Super League, I think we'll see the decentralisation of power in Europe and we're going to start to see teams that are either in the Middle East or, or South America start to emerge, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I just think we're going to see a more global version of football. Yeah, I, I actually agree with that. I would, the thing is that I would like that though because I would love to see like I would love to see like River Plate v Man United or River. I mean, Boca. Imagine going Boca Junior. Like these guys struggle at, at Turf more. Yeah, like, yeah, I want to yeah, go to yeah, Boca yeah, Junior yeah, Stadium. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? I, I would actually. That would be just so good because imagine like obviously we're ben, we're we we're lucky that we're in England and we can see these teams. The best teams come to our clubs. You know what I mean? Even if I don't support a team, I could pop down to Stamford Bridge if I want, and they're playing against Barcelona or whoever. But these teams don't get to see you know, all these European stars and stuff. Yeah. Mbappe at Boca Junior Stadium. Or, yeah. I think that would be crazy. And it would just open your eyes to football. And the the, the South American market is such a, in, in, not a lucrative one, but it's, it's actually such a, you get so many gems from there. You know what I mean? How many clubs go to South America and sign some players? Imagine getting to see, like, Obviously, he's gone to um, Real Madrid now, but imagine at the time, like getting to see like Endrick and Rito, um, Vitor Rogue um, playing against our teams. You know what I mean? It'll be it'll be sick, bro. And and, and also, it would. I think the model would change as well because these South American teams make a lot of money on the sell on. 
clause. Mm-hmm. But where so where Brighton have gone to South America and they find these players, they've signed them for like a couple of million, put them out on loan, come to the Premier League, they ball out. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see a lot of teams in South America, if that was to happen, keep hold of those players for maybe a year yeah. or two longer because they know they're playing in the global competition that everybody's watching and more football I, I is, think, is better. I think that's affecting football a little bit. It, maybe it's a completely different topic, but for example, for like Brazil, I feel like these players are leaving too early in Brazil. When you go back to like the, the, the past, like the Rubinhos and the Pele's and all these type of guys, a lot of them stayed in their country until they were ready to leave. Even Neymar, I think he left around 21 years old. Now they're getting picked up 17, 16. Look at Andre, for example, I went to Chelsea. Bring him from Brazil, throw him to Nottingham Forest, then you can't even get a minute. Like It's like, what a waste. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it will be so good to actually see these guys, Argentina and stuff, be able to keep on to their players and then... That's how these leagues do grow. Do you know what I mean? And that's how people won't be afraid to play in their home countries and stuff. And I think that should be very, very good for football, man. I think you need to figure out a way to make it work because you don't want to lose your domestic, you know, financial power. That's that's a bit of a problem with mm. this. But I agree with you. I think the in the digital age when you can make money from people that don't have to be in, you know, with you physically, you're leaving a lot of money on the table in Brazil. You're leaving a lot of money on the table out there. And and those leagues where, you know, you know, I always found it a bit funny when people go, oh, he's one of the best players in Europe, maybe even the world. Well, like, if you are the best in Europe, you're, you're the, probably the best in the world because yeah. those leagues, they're not, you know, you can be as polite as you want to be. They're, they're not. But in terms of eyeballs, which is what most things come down to, and I think maybe a bit of prestige there as well, those clubs that you're talking about, if you can bring them into something and uh, bring those leagues into it and therefore bring those eyeballs into it as well. I don't know how many you are leaving on the table in terms of eyeballs because maybe all those eyeballs are watching the European mm. leagues already. Mm. I don't know. But in terms of, sort of you know, e-commerce, like selling shirts, things mm. like that as well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of money to be made. And so I think it's a complex one, but I, I, yeah. get, I get what's being said there. And I do think this Club World Cup, it has a lot of the ingredients that you want to excite football fans around the world yeah. and I, d- I don't I think it could be dangerous for the game as we know it yeah. but I also think the game's probably left us a little bit but it's, it's funny is it just a different name of yeah. a, a Super League if that competition has too many games I was going to say I won't, anyway. I won't be surprised to see them do something like which obviously the Champions League used to be the champions of every league used to be the Champions League you know what I mean but then it became top fours and all this type of stuff I wouldn't be surprised if they do something like that like mm the champions of Saudi Arabia, the champions of Brazil, the champions of Argentina, and then there's like some kind of mini league, see who's the champions of the world. You know, I won't but be then surprised. It's, you know, it's more you games know. and then people like, so I think, thing, I guess when that happens, uh, a tournament down the bottom, like the League Cup goes. Yeah. The League Cup is, mm. got, you know, because yeah. people, people don't really want to, the top teams don't really want to play it anyway. Yeah. Um, Dom Goldie said, uh, the addition of Saudi Qatari teams into European competition. Do you think we're on the road towards that? Mm. I don't, Saudi, not, I, not, I don't not think quite so. yet, but I think UEFA are trying to... I don't think UEFA really want to mix with, with Saudi right now. I think they see it as a massive threat to their organisation at the moment. Do you, how much do you think about the the fact the attendances are so bad? What was that? I heard it, like, but I didn't get actually... 696 apparently. No, it might be fake news, so I, you know, I just saw it as a tweet. But more does that mean... Because... <laughs> <I, laughs> Does that make like that kills the brand, doesn't it? Not having enough fans to fill a stadium. Yeah, but the, 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 the brand, the brand is predicated. Now the brand is predicated on 
on star players. The brand is predicated on people talking about it and there being eyeballs and there being 100 million people watching Neymar being unveiled. That's what the brand is. The attendance is, I don't know, how many Saudi games have you tuned into? Not many. Zero. Yeah, not so. I've seen a few. I've seen. So, yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. not. There's level? Not What's really... the level? Huh? So is the level good? Levels or, <laughs> well, I'm watching it for Al Halal, you yeah. know what I mean? Because I'm just, I've adopted Al Halal, you know, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So <laughs> I've watched a few, like I watched Al Halal versus Al Nassar. I'm not going to lie, the game was decent. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. a decent game. But again, that's the stars. I'm sorry, like watching Al Halal v, like they've got their like Asian Champions League. Al Halal v Mumbai City. I ain't watching that. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? With all due respect to any Mumbai City fans. <laughs> you can't watching. like, you, you, can know what I mean? you can shirk around it, but like, you know, either you care or you don't. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike Lewis, really like this one. Personal brands on team kits, it will eventually become a requirement from both the player and sponsor to sign for a club that lets them promote their brand. That would be horrible. As the superstars in football get bigger and bigger, spot, um, that the team side of things will take a back seat. I think, so, and again, I don't know if this still happens. I think it does. But there used to be like, players would be sponsored for the season and it would mm -hmm. kind of pay for their kit <laughs> like yeah. back in the day. I think it was something like that. And in the programme, you'd have you the squad the, yeah, and you'd see yeah, who'd yeah. sponsor That still them, happens. Right? That still happens. Yeah. But oh, so... Yeah, it still oh, happens. Does it? Yeah. So I feel... But I feel like there's something with this where you can sign Ronaldo and, and it works for both parties because he can then... He's got... I've got this brand that I want to, to put forward and it might help with the whole sort of money side of it or filling the gap on something as well I think it's I think this is a good one I see this happening I, it doesn't I, hurt I mean, anyone that, and it that, gets you away from it does, a, lot of, a lot of gambling brands that people don't want to see well uh, but I think that's gonna that's going anyway the gambling brands but I I don't think it will happen just because I think with European sports especially football they're normally about 10 steps behind American sports in terms of commercialization and it hasn't happened in the NBA and it hasn't happened in the NFL I think players will Clubs will figure out a way to monetize it. For example, Messi going to play in MLS. Adidas had a huge hand in that. And the players' personal deals can still be the personal deals. But I don't think that... I just wonder if there's... Say, the you've got, say you've got 20 members of a squad. or Yeah, 20 members of a squad, right? And everyone else... Everyone has their brand. I don't know the numbers here, but if everyone's got their brand and the club has a solid cut out of every, every one of those, will that be more um, financially... Uh, impressive than mm. just one. Maybe. I don't know. But, but I, if, it, yeah, if everyone has one, but if it's a situation where it's like just one player, two players, awkward, it, then it, yeah. it's like, yeah, then you start getting prefer you start preferential treatment. And so it starts getting a little bit, a little bit weird. And like, you know, with his question, well, what he said, he said, the stars in football are getting bigger. Are they getting bigger? Is the superstars, are they bigger? Are we getting, no. I ain't seen none of these players on Jimmy Kimmel. They, where, yeah, where, yeah, yeah, I, think I ain't seen younger. you and Jonathan Ross. I think they're younger. I think, you know, Ronaldo and Messi have gone. Mm -hmm. And now it's, it's Mbappe, Haaland, Bellingham, I think it's like Pedri, Instagram and stuff, guys. which I get, but mm. I don't think we have bigger superstars no, they're, they're, they're not, than they're, we've They're not part had. of the zeitgeist, not part of the conversation beyond football. Like back in the day, my mum who doesn't love football would know the star footballer. She knew our... Yeah. My mum knows of Mbappe, knows of Haaland and beyond that, like starting to know about Bellingham, but mm. beyond that, I think the general fan who's not a football fan are, are, are not as interested in football yeah. as they previously were. But there are a lot more football fans, so maybe that kind of, kind yeah. of counteracts and I just think I just think celebrity culture has changed anyway, you know, paparazzis and all this type of stuff. I think the culture of how it was is different you know a footballer walked down the street back in the day they're in the front of the sun and all this type of stuff and now it's a little bit different i think because of instagram you're a little bit more in control of what you're putting out and you it's just a little bit different so i think the celebrity yeah. codes you watch the De Be beckham documentary yeah. 
and it's like something you've never ever seen before. Like you, you just can't even imagine seeing that now with yeah. anyone. And Mbappe walking down the street would it just doesn't feel like that would even yeah, happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's different. The thing is though that the it, press is far more. There's different types of press, mm. yeah. um, and also players themselves provide the press if that makes sense because they mm. can tweet. Beckham wasn't tweeting, so you yeah. just had, you know, a body that people followed around and yeah. tried to take a picture of for the five newspapers that were knocking about there. Like the money that was in you know pictures back then mm-hmm. it was just crazy yeah. whereas now it's far more sporadic and also everyone's got their own little echo chamber so mm-hmm. like like your mum now like the people that she follows on Instagram mm-hmm. she's not going to get it anywhere near it whereas before she would read the newspaper yeah, yeah, and Mbappe yeah. would be on the newspaper like yeah. they, they would yeah. those super, you're right so maybe you're right they're superstars mm-hmm. aren't they uh, right any more uh, certainties uh, to chuck forward yeah. maybe some on uh, players as well I sort of I touched on a couple of players last week one I did want to touch on briefly I think I've decided Anthony Gordon's awesome. Mm. I See, th- is Mudrick better than Anthony Gordon? <laughs> See, I just want to go back. <laughs> is he? Is he? No. <laughs> they are, they're, they're the same. And, and, and you know what's crazy? When we were linked with Anthony Gordon, Chelsea fans were there yeah. crying. Like, yeah. Do not. So, yeah, Perception, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anthony Gordon, he, he is awesome. What and- I am going to do at some point, I'm probably going to do a podcast on... Um, my hair theory which is like I think if you have like big blonde hair yeah. or certain haircuts yeah. that can lead to more exposure because your sort of eye catches them a little what, bit wait, I've, 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 people I've say actually, that about Gordon I've done this theory actually one time before I've got a thread on it when you go bald you become serious you become a top player <laughs> you become a, if you if, if you shave your head if, if Declan Rice shaved his head tomorrow he'll win the Ballon d'Or Ray Keane went on a different level when he went bald you know what I mean when you go bald you evolve Wayne Rooney Iron Robin there's so many you go bald you're reaching right, the top right right yeah yeah, you, yeah well I guess so for Rooney and uh, and Robin they sort of they, they got rid of the sort of scraggles yeah, right? yeah. with them <laughs> But for me, with David Luiz, I was always like, I'm mm. not sure he has the career he has if he doesn't have that hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but also, there's a, there's a funny thing with people with that hair. They've all got the same gait. They, they run yeah. the same way. Whether it's Cucurella, whether it's Wattle Vout Face, whether it's David Luiz, <laughs> yeah. these guys with that hair, you always think they're reckless. Even like, what well, Hannibal's running around, they're like, oh, he's got low yeah, energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hannibal <laughs> could be the most like concise, precise player in the world. Yeah. But because yeah, that yeah, hairstyle, everyone's like, oh, no, he's a certain type of way. Even with even Ronaldinho, remember Ronaldinho used to be like a party when he's running. I used to run the ball. I ain't even got a hand. I'm doing. Hairstyles do make a difference. That's why Mudrick's getting a lot of attention. But if he does ball with that hairstyle and that look, Chelsea fans will love him. Yeah, that mm. is a shout though. Like, like buzz it off. Yeah, like, and yeah. you'll be like, oh, Mudrick's serious. Yeah, serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Anthony Gordon's gone with the blonde, and I think it's yeah, initially I was sort of like, what you're doing, but now I just can't stop seeing how good he is now. And I think there comes a time where like. You have to go, oh, no, you're, you're mm. really good. So for me, he will be playing. He will play for England definitely by the end of 2025. If he continues to play under Eddie Howe, because we mentioned Jacob Murphy briefly, he looked like one of the best players I've ever seen play football in that yeah. game against Crystal Palace. He was involved in every, almost every yeah. single one yeah. of those goals. Yeah. And I think at Newcastle, what, what Eddie Howe's built is a system where players can flourish. And Anthony Gordon, I believe, will play for England. But I, I think he's very beholden to the manager that he's playing under because I think an Anthony Gordon under a manager or a team that's not stable and not steady is a different type of player. He's getting time, he's getting minutes. Harvey Barnes is injured. Mm. And, and I just think he's really, he's such a live one. Yeah. If you think like Trent couldn't handle him, I know other players mm-hmm. haven't, I know Trent struggles sometimes defensively. A couple of others from me. I think Everton, with certainty, I think Everton will be absolutely fine this season. I know you're not sure yeah. about it, Cavs. I mean, listen, Sean Dyche, I love him. So I hope they are, to be honest. I don't like seeing... 
historic teams go down. I don't. I really don't. I've but got no problem with it personally. But do you? No, I don't. I don't like seeing it. And I always want the hist- most. Every time I look at the championship, I look at who's in the playoffs, who's the most historic team. I want them up. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> that's that's just some QPR. I always yeah, want QPR. Up. <laughs> that's the that's the only ones. But my one actually, Kobe Mainu. Yes, Kobe Mainu will make his debut for England by 2025. Woo! Really? I love it. I've got so many friends who are Man United fans mm-hmm. and I've been in this position before. They haven't got much to hold on to so it's yeah, like he going, pulled out yeah, a pre-season yeah, yeah. so I'm not to Kobe Mainu. I'm going to put like that, it, I'm, gonna put it, I'm not going to say he's going to be a best in the world but I think he'll make his debut. I mean, Levi Colwell's done it, you know, a lot of these guys have done it. I don't see why not. I think he'll make Has he had the games? No, he had 150 games. See, that could be the problem. That could be the problem. My last one, just chuck it out quickly. England will win uh, winning the Euros. It's done. Yeah. Woo! Decide. Took my one. That was, that oh, was, right, sorry, that, No, no, no. But that that is... Uh-huh. Yeah, they have to. At this point now... Oh, no, I don't like this have to. They will. Let's Ooh. just leave it at that. Everyone's sucking the fun out of it. Like We're finally getting to the point where we should be winning these tournaments. And you're sucking the life out of it. All right, so who would three wild cards be for you to get called up for this Euros for England um, Cole Palmer I agree Cole Palmer definitely Isaka needs a backup yeah. and he can can he potentially talk yeah. soon um, <laughs> what that haven't been there before oof Anthony Gordon is he one yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think he is. is I think um, in danger? Is, I'm a big fan Anthony of Harvey Gordon. Elliott. I think Harvey Elliott at some point oh, has to become really? a star. My only fear is that can he find a place in that mm. Liverpool team? Mm-hmm. I'm. I think. Oh, do you know? Do you know? I think could well. Mm. It'll be a. It'll be devastating because he's good enough already. Rico Lewis is something else. I'm telling yeah. You. Mm. yeah. 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 He's yeah. one hell of a player. I think with Rico Lewis, it's just that with Gareth Southgate. Yeah. Right now, Pep is using him as like his little like good mole in a way like you can be right back you can be eight you can be dm whatever but under gareth southgate it's gonna be like you're gonna have to play one role what is it gonna be i'm not kind of sure what what he'll do there so mine i would probably say cole palmer mm-hmm. i still I, I love the player so i'm just gonna say it. i think jacob ramsey could make it just give him maybe just just call him up for this tournament i mean the, sorry the next international break give him a little moment Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Colwell was already in there. Watkins, I've always wanted him in there. So I can't say them two. So I'm going to say Cole Palmer, Jacob Ramsey. I don't know who I... <laughs> oh, God, we've got to do another podcast there. Uh, <laughs> I, I know the Southgate. I know Southgate. You're allowed one more, which we'll start the next podcast. Yeah, yeah. Right, where you got? Um, in terms of that, uh, I know Southgate watches the under-21s a lot and they, they absolutely think of Serbia the other day. They absolutely battered. Yeah, yeah. Um, Harvey Elliott looked great in that game. Noni Madueki in no. terms of... Inter- <laughs> it's too loaded, I think. No, I think Fair enough. We, 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 we just said it about Gordon. Cole Palmer's going to outdo him as well. Fair, okay. fair enough. Um, you know who deserves it? Go, go, go. No, no, go, go, go. And, and, and uh, Angel Gomez yeah. deserves one. That's what I was He deserves say. one, but he plays in France. Gary Southgate's not watching. He dominates every international under 21 game, but yeah. Hey, yeah. that's what yeah. I think anyway. Um, so in terms of my certainties, Go on. it's a it's a tap in. Harry Kane to win a trophy, obviously. Oh, Harry Kane to win, that one, man. <laughs> Harry Kane to win a trophy, um, and it's kind of off the back of your one, but Jude Bellingham to to win a Ballon d'Or by twenty twenty five. I think that's on. Next I think that's year. on in yeah. the era of football that we live in right now. I think I think it's a fair shout to go for next year. Yeah, him winning it next year because yeah. Haaland's not as hot right now. 
Mm. Mbappe not really feeling it as well. Obviously, it's always defined by the Champions League, so that could play a part in it. But Euros I don't think that's well. a, a terrible shout. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. it's a narrative award, isn't it? And yeah. if 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 Bellingham does well for Real Madrid this season, I don't think they'll win the Champions League. But if England do win the Euros, like we're expecting. I think Bellingham's in with a shout. Mm. Okay. France will be a problem as well. If yes, France win, Mbappe's got out, I think. Do you know what? Other ones that popped into my head. Unai Emery will be at Aston Villa for at least five years. Ooh. That's, that's a prediction of mine. Not going to get poached? That. No, I don't think he's going to get poached. I think he's had that time. He's going to grow up with Aston Villa. And, uh, and I think he'll win a trophy at some point as well. Right. We've got the Pyramids of Allcott to record. So we're going to stop it here. Guys, thank you so much. Yeah, really, really appreciate it. Uh, links to the boys are in the description right now. Follow this podcast. That way you will not miss out on a podcast when it comes out. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week or day and we'll speak to you very soon. 